Welcome to Gesundheit with Jacobus Health Talk Radio, integrating allopathic and all natural medicine one show at a time. Here is your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here today. We'll be on till 11 o'clock, as you heard, of talking about vaccines. We talk about health healing and healthy lifestyles every Saturday morning from 8 to 11, as I said. We have the experts on, people talking about what they do for a living, passion they have, books they've written, research they're working on. As always, as we talk about health, healing, and healthy lifestyles, we discuss the body, the mind, and the spirit, but we're not here to diagnose, treat, or cure. It's all about the education, information, and hopefully a little entertainment for you. Uh, We always recommend that you either contact the guests after the program, we give our telephone numbers or addresses as far as uh, web address etc to you or find a physician of your choice and discuss some of these issues with them or him or her and hopefully you will then find the best information that is needed for your quest for better health Um, montanans for vaccine choice where individuals and parents call the shots they also focus on advocacy work providing individual and community awareness, support, and education. The goal is to support and enhance medical freedom rights and informed consent of the individual through legislative actions and public education. Create a wide and deep support network on all medical freedom issues as warranted by the public and vested businesses. Freedom to choose what are the issues they support Freedom to choose or opt out of any medical procedure, including but not limited to vaccinations, circumcision, prescription drugs, cancer treatments without coercion, persecution by employers, schools, medical professionals, or government. Freedom for medical professionals to practice their profession in an ethical manner without fear, insurance provider dropping coverage or fear of overreaching government bureaucracy. So that is information on people who say we need to have freedom. Freedom, Montana's for vaccine choice and medical freedom. Uh, This is all very important. And my guests today are uh, Corey Mesa as well as Kaylee McBride. And I appreciate both you ladies being here this morning. Thank you. Thank you for having us. That's yeah, Corey, you, and that's Kaylee. You may have to speak up, Kaylee. Okay. You're so close to them, but don't be shy. <laughs> okay, you I'll were, do better. You weren't earlier. <laughs> I need so, to drink a little more coffee. There you go. Just uh, I'll get the IV drip going, <laughs> and then uh, we'll just you're set for the next three hours, and it'll just be a slow drip. Just make and sure I'll, it's organic, please. I will, and every hour I just add a shot. You know? Perfect. Okay, well, uh, I have to say this is exciting. Uh, it really is to talk about this topic. There is a lot going on. And, and the sad thing is, and for those listeners who don't know this, is that there have been, there are reports out on the internet about medical professionals who speak out against vaccination, mandatory vaccinations. They're not against vaccines, they just say mandatory vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And uh, these people have disappeared and have not been hurt from. Uh, they have committed suicide, is what they say. They've been in car accidents. Uh, there was a couple, a doctor and his wife, who decided to jump off a 21-story building. 
and uh, they had just dinner with friends or something an hour earlier. Nobody saw it coming. And all of a sudden, these people are dead. Um, I've had a person on my radio show, and uh, and um, oh, what's her name? Uh, and da, 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 da. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember. I, her name. I get her name. See here, I'm, I'm I have the name on my tongue, and I can't spit. Maybe I need some coffee too. Uh, anyway. She has been on the show several times talking about uh, multiple sclerosis, talking about also little vaccinations, and uh, working on our next book uh, with actually some writers and publishers right here in Bozeman while she is in New York. She's worked with them three days after they had a great talk about the cover and about how to change certain things uh, she's found uh, hanging uh, in in her own room. Mm. And um, people say it was a suicide. Obviously, uh, it, everybody who knows her says there was nothing in her that said this. What is my question to you both, if you have read any of these stories? Is this the truth? Can we believe this, that this is happening right now? Well, I think the um, the best resource on this on that particular topic is Erin at HealthNet News. She's actually been the one keeping track of these practitioners and scientists, for whatever reason, that are ending up dead. Um, For instance, that couple you mentioned um, who supposedly committed suicide off of their, I don't know, eight-story building, um, they, you know, they had their quote-unquote suicide notes typed, folded up, put into a Ziploc bag, and taped to their chest. That's not characteristic of a suicidal no. person. Yeah. Anyway, Especially two of them. Right? Yeah. Of them, yeah. So I just think that um, when people see these stories, they really need to think and look at all the all the outlets that they come from. Yeah. Um, compare the stories. But um, Aaron has been the most thorough. Mm-hmm. Of, of is, tracking everything. And I remember the name. It's Anne Baroque. Yeah, I was yeah, just going to say. B O R O C H. Anne Baroque. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. unbelievable. Beautiful person, wonderful guest on the radio show. Uh, she must be early 40s, I think. And uh, so this is what's going on. Now, um, on top of that, we are, there is a, a man by the name of Ty Bollinger who has started this series, The Truth About Cancer. And he has also been involved now with The Truth About Vaccines. And this is going to be a series. This is a series that you two own and you decided to help the public become better educated, just look at it from different angles. Hear the professionals explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be happening this Monday evening. The doors at the Bozeman Library, the doors will open at 6. The presentation will be at 6.30. So that is October 2nd. Mm-hmm. Okay. In case we played replay the show, <laughs> they say Monday, October 2nd, October 2nd. 2017. Uh, so that will be this Monday. Tell me a little bit about what this is all about, this presentation, uh, Ty Bollinger, all that good stuff. Well, um, so Ty started started um, putting these educational documentaries together. His very first one was uh, Quest for the Cures, which I have not seen. Then he did um, The Truth About Cancer, which is such an educational and empowering docu-series. It is. Um, Really just taking medical professionals, MDs, PhDs from around the world. Around the world, that's right. And 
just giving the public the information that they need, you know, for, for whatever cancer treatment that they see fit for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously every person's different, every body's different. And, and in that, um, he, he was really led towards the issue on vaccines in relation to causing cancer first. Um, that's a very provocative statement, but it, it's reality that the contents of many vaccines are carcinogenic. Right. So it's a, it's a rea- reality that we have to face and help us make those decisions for yeah. ourselves. Yes. So he, it just was kind of like a domino effect. Um, and he, he just really felt on his heart that he was called to bring the information that he was faced with in relation to vaccines. So he did a separate um, seven-part docuseries, The Truth About Vaccines, with over 70 experts. And these are MDs and PhDs in science. Um, also from around the world, yes. just bringing up these very real issues that even when I was a kid, I was born in 1988, um, we were not really having the issues that we have today. Right. It's a very different story. And I think a lot of people misunderstand that. Um, I mean, my dad, I think got two vaccines when he was a kid, he was considered fully vaccinated. I think I got a few doses of four vaccines um and the issue with vaccines today is kids are getting 26 doses of 11 different vaccines in the first year and 69 doses by six years old Mm. and 72 by 18 right yeah it's it's just an astronomical amount way way higher than what what it used to be back in the early 60s Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And can I just say about the truth about vaccines when Corey mentioned the 70 plus medical professionals, that most of them were pro vaccine uh. and they advocated for vaccines. They believed that they saved lives and prevented disease. And I think that truth is one of the most powerful things that we should all hear and say, okay, why would these doctors all of a sudden change their stance? They weren't part of, some maybe were, but they weren't all part of some bandwagon that they jumped on just to promote Actually, something. Quite, and- quite the contrary. One of the main doctors featured in the docuseries is uh, Dr. Paul Thomas, and he is a pediatrician in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. And he was really faced with some ethical issues when in in just a few years of his practice, he actually witnessed firsthand four of his young patients perfectly healthy. They go in for a round of vaccines and their parents bring them back in with neurological issues and that later get diagnosed as autism. And that was really what woke him up because, I mean, you can see in the docuseries, he really cares about his patients. And so he he wants you know to take care of them and them to be healthy and he really saw a big problem in what was happening i see he's actually he actually ended up authoring a book called the vaccine friendly plan so he's still very pro vaccine yes and just so everyone's clear this is not an anti vaccine movie but it is bringing up real issues in this on this topic and right. real con- real reasons why parents are concerned yes and even the cdc the, the Center for Disease Control is very strongly involved. You can, because it's a, it's a government agency, 
as a citizen, you can call them and get information if you need information. And they are obligated to give you the, the, the honest truth. And so if there are certain new facts out and you call them, they should be able to tell you what is, for example, in this uh, vaccine that my child gets. And they will give you the exact ingredients without getting emotional about it. You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's up to you. That's well, and right. actually, you know, just being in the age of information, this 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 information is actually at your fingertips. You can just it Google yes. the CDC vaccine excipient list if you want to know yeah. all the ingredients in mm-hmm. every vaccine by brand offered in the United States. And Google is actually the most powerful educational tool to date. And I know that people say, I'm going to listen to the doctor, most of which do not know the ingredients in vaccines. And they say, oh, what did you go to Google? Yes, I did. I went to Google and I found the actual ingredients. From the yes. CDC. From the yeah. CDC. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Folks, you're listening to Gesundheit with Jacobus. I am Jacobus Holloway, your host. And my guests in the studio are Corey Meza, who is a registered nurse, and we have Kaylee McBride. And they're both uh, very much involved in uh, educating the public about uh, freedom of medical choice. And uh, one of the things they do this Monday at the Bozeman Public Library is uh, bring number one uh, of the series on the truth about vaccines, series number one. And then uh, there will be a determination when the next one, number two, et cetera, will be. But this is all about public education. Come, it's free. There will be a discussion afterwards with some of the people, some of the members of the uh, the Truth About Vaccine uh, group here in the area. And uh, so you can come in, ask questions, express your concerns. If you have doubts about something, feel free. There is, It's an open discussion as long as everybody treats each other civil then uh, there is absolutely no problem to have controversy going on at the library. So just want to let you know, and you're very much invited. And just like Corey said, it's not about that we're anti-vaccines. It is just that you need to know more information, especially when you are putting something inside your body. When there is a needle, you want to know what's in it. And again, the other problem that we have is not just that we're dealing here with adults, we're dealing here with children. They're just born. They just uh, they cannot speak up. They uh, they can only express through their body symptoms that they're experiencing or not uh, from the vaccinations that they have. And there are also links with adults who are suffering from autoimmune disorders that can be linked to possible being treated by vaccinated by vaccines. So these are all things that are uh, important for you to to know, to remember, and to think about. We talked about uh, the the upcoming show, uh, the presentation, and Ty Bollinger. We, we're going to spend a big part of the show today uh, talking about some of the things that are being, that, that come up with the, um, the actual program, some of the topics that are being discussed in the seven-part series so that people have an idea how well done this is mm-hmm. and uh, so we have a caller on hold uh, caller thanks for joining the program today what's your name please how can we help you this is aaron how you guys doing aaron doing well thank you good morning hey um good morning Jacobus. say uh is it true that you can't litigate you can't sue pharmaceutical companies yes that is true you cannot sue um the vaccine companies the man the manufacturing companies at all legally for civil or criminal litigation 
So how is it even constitutional for these people to require us to inject our children with this stuff if we have no right. legal defense? I mean, it, that just really doesn't make sense at all. Right. So what happened? I'm sorry, Keely. No, go keep... ahead. No, you go um, ahead. Um, what happened was um, in the 80s, actually, there were so many lawsuits for the DTP and OPV vaccines. Um, from injuries and deaths of children that these companies went to Congress and said, we are going bankrupt from these lawsuits. And if if you don't do something about it, this is going to be a national security problem and we're not going to be able to make vaccines for, you know, they kind of scapegoated with uh, bioterrorism or something like that. And so they basically blackmailed that administration and the Vaccine Injury Compensation Act was passed in 1986 and then, so that made them completely um, indemnified from liability. And so for right now, that does not mean that you are without compensation. Um, that there is a trust set up in the U.S. Federal Court of Claims. It's called uh, the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. Mm -hmm. And if you or your child have a reaction, you can you file a report with VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System which most doctors are not even taught about in school, um, but it does exist. And it's very important that these reactions get reported. And then you can file a claim with the vaccine court yep. and you can be compensated. Although it's very, it is actually in reality, very difficult to be compensated. It's about 1% of claims that actual receive compensation. But since 1986, they've paid out over $3.7 billion in compensation of taxpayer money. And in the last five years, it's been over $1.1 billion. How much? Over, in the last five years. Five years? Over $1.1 And in the last, um, last time I looked at it for 2017, for the last fiscal year of 2017, it was um, just over $200 million just for 2017 in injuries and deaths. And that's 1%. And this is only yeah. for the cases that have actually gone to court and where people right. have actually won their which their, is it's right. a very it's a feat to win it really is because what ends up like if a parent files a claim because their baby died and the death certificate says SIDS um, you have to have tissue samples to prove that that vaccine caused that death oh boy and there are parents right now that are fighting that have been they're on their seventh, eighth year mm -hmm. going through this. So it's and a there huge is a, time there's commitment. There's a statute of limitations, too. I think it's two years of filing oh, a claim. Wow. Yeah. So you have to really be aware of this information to know your rights and what... But and, here's, and, the, here's the issue with it, though. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not... I mean, I'm not for, but I'm not wholeheartedly opposed to... I mean, I understand the importance of, of pharmaceutical companies, so I'm not opposed to them being... Um, above a litigation per se the issue is then making it mandatory to have to get the thing yes I mean, that's right that's yes, the exactly. problem that i'm having you don't have the right to opt out mm -hmm. so well you do um, now you do have the right to opt out it, it's well, just not okay, talked about but, enough but the problem with that train of thought is then if your kid gets uh sick and then gets another kid sick you know it's like you can almost probably be sued for that not really. Because, well, well, because you didn't. We're actually going to talk more about that. Let's in this do show. that, Aaron. When we come back, we got to yeah. run. The music right. is playing. Thanks. But thanks yes, for the call. Thank Great you. Call. You bet.
All right. Well, uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, more with Kaylee McBride and Corey Meza about the truth about vaccines. Stay put. We'll be right back. Caller, good morning to you. Thanks for joining today's program. You are on the air with Corey Meza and Kaylee McBride. What's your name? How can we help you? Well, I just got out of the box, and I have something to do my question, getting out of the box. Now, Teal Swan is another crusader against the vaccine. Who's that? And Who? Teal Swan. If you've heard of Carolyn Mays. Carolyn Mays, yes. Yeah, that they're medical intuitives. They can scan yeah. the body. Yeah. And with her spiritual eyes, she can say, well, there's a hot spot of inflammation, or there's a blackness over there. And she says, quote, this is kind of an extreme statement. I only see damage done by vaccines. And she says, eating crap and not getting rest are two of the things that leave your uh, immune system wide open. And speaking of money, 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 <laughs> she said one of the big money makers of this planet is making well people sick, such as injecting them with junk, even though they show no problems. Mm. So you, you say to the doctor, I don't feel sick. And he says, my machine tells me you're sick. Take this. Right. He does admit that vaccination will chew up the myelin sheath, but she said, really, ADD and ADHD and even autism children are really a new evolution, that they're less brain dominant and less fully into physical reality, and we're trying to pound them back into the box of sitting in rows and being prepared to be workers, and since they're so unique and have what we call problems, they're not used to seeing their parents as gods and uh, as a youth, will quickly try to fit into normality, the box. Now, is this series of vaccine movies going to uh, say something about autism, too? Because it's not all that hot that autism is totally directed toward vaccinations. Any of you? Well, Corey? yes, it is going to be talked about among um, multiple, multiple things. Um, if you asked... Uh, a lot of parents who have an autistic child, I'm not going to speak for all of them because every case is different, but um, yeah, there's something going on neurologically and, and in their GI tract. It's all tied together. Um, so yeah, it will touch on that. I would like the docuseries to speak on that though and not me right, specifically. Right, that's a good point. Yeah, and there's families that have actually been compensated um, through VAERS for having a child that, quote-unquote, received a adverse reaction as being autism. Which now, you, uh, Kaylee, you were in the store the other day, and you were telling some of the statistics about autism on the rise. And can you repeat that? On the air, you sure. were mentioning something. Yes, and I have Corey here to kind of number check me if I'm off. So I was born in 1983, and at that point, the autism rates were 1 in 10,000. Mm -hmm. And today, here we sit in 2017, I believe the last stat that I heard that has just been confirmed and recorded was 1 in 68 children have autism and just recently this year um, a new study came out that said the autism rate is now one in 42 mm -hmm. 
So and that that's is in one generation. Spectrum that could mm-hmm. be Asperger's, or that, is it? Yes, yes, yeah. it could be Asperger's. Mm-hmm. So if we went from one in, t- I'm 34 years old. We went from one in 10,000 to now one in 42. I would say we're headed for a complete catastrophe if things continue. I think Stephanie Seneff, who is a statistician from MIT, she has calculated that if we don't actually actively stop the epidemic in 2032, we will be looking at 80% of boys and one in two children being on the autism spectrum in just 2032. Wow. Yeah, well, using these words, catastrophe and epidemic, but not in Teal Swan's vocabulary. She says their thoughts may not be coherent to outsiders, but they're just thinking in a new way. And we're going to have to evolve sooner or later in some way. It might be just a surprising way that we're evolving in people that are less fixated into physical reality. And they're thinking more with their, their right brain than their left brain. Mm-hmm. But here, I'll just give a, a hard and fast thing here. She said she liked the book called Vaccination is not immunization by Tim O'Shea. Okay. Go ahead. Were you going to quote something from it? No, no. I, I just that's just a quote that I saw that she gave. I I don't. I've never even seen the book, but for some reason, this Steel Swan, who's coming from a different angle, she sure wouldn't call it this autism a catastrophe. She'd just call it a change, just yes. like. Donald Trump is bringing changes and people are uh, up in arms and running like the sky is falling. But those are the changes they've been praying for. I think that 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 makes sense to me. And I hear where she's coming from. And my only issue with that and not um, stating that this could possibly be um, catastrophic is. If children were born and left alone just in their natural habitat, and we didn't invasively inject them with toxins at an early age, I believe we would not have this autism epidemic. And so that's my only thing. Things could very well be changing, but then I would say, why are they changing? And if it's not a natural change, Mm -hmm. then I don't know. I think I would probably have to disagree, although I do appreciate she sounds really optimistic too and just more empowering rather than I I like that she's kind of saying how are we gonna approach this and let's you know maybe not be negative Nancy sitting in the corner you know well and we would also be really remiss to not acknowledge the physiological issues these children suffer from they have a lot of GI discomfort they um, have a lot of just inflammatory pain which is part of the reason they Sometimes in severe cases, we'll just bang their head on anything because they can't get the pain to stop. Wow. And um, yeah, they they suffer um, from, you know, just if you, they can't communicate their desires, their wants, their needs in a lot of cases. And that's extremely frustrating for them. And so even in like, an, uh, you know, without their parents or somebody to care for them, they're very vulnerable. Um, but there is a physiological underlying issues that these children also suffer with it's not it's not just um psychiatric um which is uh what it's the type of diagnosis autism is many doctors and parents will say it's physiological as well yeah yeah significant epilepsy well she she says they've come to help people get outside the box that that look at it because 
perception is uh, reality. She perceives it that way. Okay, I'll get out Thanks, of the Daniel. way. Take, Appreciate it. Okay, yeah, bye-bye. Kaylee, what was it for you that you got involved in this uh, Montana for Vaccine Choice, uh, Montana's for Health Freedom? What was What changed in your life? What happened to you? Why you are sitting here today? Okay, so um, I'll try to not make this very long. You can cut me off, Jacobus. <laughs> I have the power. <laughs> in 2009, I, um, well, I actually became pregnant in 2008 with our first child. His name's Sullivan. And probably about halfway through my pregnancy, so we're coming into the year 2009, I started thinking about vaccines and I don't really know why. Um, and the reason I say that you would think the three of us sitting here now would say, of course you would think about vaccines, but I do believe that people don't think about that because they don't have to. The medical establishment does the thinking for you and tells you what to do. So, um, I started thinking about it and I decided, I remember going to the bookstore and thought I'm going to read about this and kind of figure out what I'm going to do. So I picked up Dr. Sears' book titled The Vaccine Book. And was there anyone else in that book? No, just Dr. Sears. He's a pediatrician in uh, right. Southern California. Yes, who has, side note, um, his medical license has been threatened. Um, anyway, <laughs> Corey's telling me not to get off track. Um so I read the book, and I, I guess I should say I more skimmed it um, because after I read it, I ended up vaccinating. Kind of took it a little slowly, but um, I did it anyway. That book basically just tells you the pros and cons to vaccinating and not vaccinating. And at the end of the day, for me, at least what I told myself and told others was, there's definitely a risk in vaccinating and there's a risk in the disease. And for me, I decided that the risk of the disease outweighed the risk of the vaccine. I did nine years later here I sit and I know that I did not do enough research in that. So vaccinated him, he got hepatitis B 24 hours after he was born. I remember feeling a little uneasy, but I was doped up on painkillers too. And so didn't really matter. Didn't think twice about it. A couple of my really, really good friends are both nurses. And so they, they were and still kind of are pro-vaccine. So anyway, um, I'll jump to his 15 month. It was 15 or 16 months. Checkup or something. Yes, yeah. checkup. And I went in and I remember having a ton of questions about vaccines because that hepatitis B one just didn't. And I gave him a couple more. And I just started questioning the doctor, his mm -hmm. pediatrician. And I had so many questions. And I remember having so much anxiety because the way that he responded to me was just belittling and basically blew off Dr. Sears is doesn't know what he's talking about because I quoted 
um, that book, cited that book, and I ended up giving Sullivan his vaccines that day, and one of which was the MMR, which is measles, mumps, and rubella, and they typically give that between 12 and 18 months. Yeah. And I, I've learned today, which is what I encourage others to do, you have to decide before you go in to see your pediatrician what you're going to do. It's kind of a risky thing to go in not knowing and asking questions, I think, um, based off of what I went through. So that night he had a fever, gave him Tylenol, what they tell you to do. It's normal. Fever's normal. Give him Tylenol. And he progressively got sicker. I believe it was the next night or two nights after. And the reason I don't remember these details exactly is because at this point I was not thinking that, I don't know, it almost slips your mind that it was, that, it was connected. That, that it was connected. And I don't know what that is, but people in this group we give our stories and yeah and um we all kind of say the same thing that i don't know why we didn't connect the dots so he the the next night or the night after um he was screaming like uncontrollably and he sullivan was a baby that slept through the night literally since the first night home from the hospital we went mm. to sleep and six hours later I woke up like, oh my goodness, is my baby breathing? <laughs> um, and he slept all night mm. and he was a really easy baby. And so this was just out of the ordinary. It was so bad that I, I could not get his fever down. And he was earlier that day, he was running around and like running into walls and losing oh. his balance. Wow. And I, I remember calling my best friend. I was in tears and I said, something's wrong with him. I don't know what's going on. And he kept falling over and had the fever. So about midnight that night, I ended up, he was screaming and I ended up taking him into the ER. And I, I should mention too, before this, he had no prior health issues that no, I noticed. No, it was obvious, yes, sure. And he was a kid that ate everything that was put in front of him. Salmon and rice. Beans and broccoli. Yes, and <laughs> everything. He was not picky. It did not matter. He ate very healthy and went into the ER, of course, found nothing wrong with him. They did not even ask me if he had vaccines. And so at this point, it still wasn't even on my mind. After this, we went home and he, he just started to get better. But he was not the same baby that he was beforehand. He was very emotional and intense clingy and clingy mm. a lot of anxiety he would scream when he was put in his when he was put into his car seat if i played music on the radio he would just lose his mind mm. and he stopped eating i mean he barely ate anything he only wanted specific things and 
I actually never connected the dots until probably when he was four or five. And that's when I looked back and said, after I learned more about the MMR vaccine, I said, oh my gosh, he was injured by the MMR vaccine. Hmm. And in fact, I had given him another dose of MMR and I gave him a, his first dose of DTaP, which is diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis. And then I kind of realized, um, my husband Scott and I said, he can't have any more vaccines. Today, he is doing really well. He's not on the spectrum. However, we diagnosed him as having sensory processing disorder. And he has, mo he has overcome a lot of those obstacles and fears in his life. However, he does struggle with and ha has anxiety about a lot of those same things. I believe to this day, if we would have continued vaccinating him, and I know this in my heart, that he would have regressed by a lot probably hmm. into an autistic state. Hmm. Wow. And so I think by the grace of God, we woke up essentially. And so that happened. It became personal for me. And I, something was on my heart to just do a head dive into vaccines and research vaccines. I'll mention too, along the way, my mom was her name's Pam, and she lives in Billings. And she's amazing. Hi, Pam. <laughs> she I is. Met, I met Pam, so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we all know, Pam, we're talking about you. <laughs> I hope you're listening. And she had picked up, um, I, I almost said Dr. Suzanne Humphreys. Suzanne Summers wrote a book called Knockout. Yeah. And it's about um, cancer. cancer. Mm -hmm. And my mom was going through um alongside of her aunt my great aunt judy she had um, passed away from skin cancer but she and i don't, can't remember which type it was but the they had diagnosed her as having breast cancer they got the diagnosis wrong in billings she ended up passing away and so my mom read this book and she was so passionate about it she probably bought a hundred copies was basically throwing them mm. out Handing her them window out. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> to everybody that looked like maybe they have cancer. <laughs> Here, read it. <laughs> Great book, by the way. Yes, mm -hmm. it's a very good book. Really empowering book. I love how she speaks. And so my mom's kind of going off on this whole chemotherapy thing. And that's motivating to me as I believe vaccines, the vaccine industry cancer industry are both multi-billion dollar businesses that are, I say, every like three pharmacies that get put up, a uh, multi-million dollar cancer treatment center gets yeah. um, put up. Isn't that ironic? Yes. Um, and so anyway, I, I was just started researching. I remember having really late nights being on the computer. <laughs> My husband, Scott, is nodding off as I'm reading to him. Listen to this. Listen to this. You're not going to believe this. Yeah. And we 
he he was on board right away with because I remember Del Bigtree says this and I think he puts it perfectly. The truth is there. It's in the folder and we all just assume what the truth is because we've been told what the truth is. Mm -hmm. But the day you open the folder, you realize, or I guess I should say the science, the science is settled. Yeah. It's in the folder. Yeah. And we don't open it to look at the science. And the day you actually decide to open the folder and look at the science, you realize it is not existent. It is not there. And that is the truth as far as um, the science being vaccines are safe and effective because that has not been proven mm. safe. So anyway, we, my husband said, it's, it's so fascinating to me because you just look at the truth, you see it, it's plain as day. Mm -hmm. Are you willing to accept it or not? And he did. So he kind of, um, jumped on board. We've gone through the journey together and nine years later, here I sit, I, actually ended up meeting Maria Wyrock and Corey Meza, Jenna Dodge and Shalice Stampson. Am I saying her name right? Through a mandatory vaccine Facebook group and oh. located out, out of California hmm. and found these girls through that group, ironically, and got connected to them in Bozeman and met up with them and said, I want to help. Yeah. So. And all the good people. They're all, right. all really good people. Pretty much minimal, so. so good work. Well, yeah. and then you both uh, were involved, your group was involved with bringing the vaxxed bus to Bozeman, and so uh, that's how we had an interview with Polly, and uh, and Del Bigtree was on, uh, not on the show, but he was in Bozeman, <laughs> and uh, Dr. Taylor was here in June or July when you guys came on as well. And Dr. Suzanne Humphreys. And Dr. Suzanne Humphreys, yeah. who wrote an amazing book, and hopefully we can talk about that a little bit. But uh, thank you very much for sharing your story. I know we have a caller on hold. Caller, I'm going to put you, um, I, I'll, I'll turn you off during the break. And then, uh, or you know what? You can actually stay on and I'll talk to you and then we'll uh, continue from there. Uh, we're going to take a short break. Please uh, stay tuned. Uh, we'll be right back. They're a little scared to talk about it because there is so much going on. And it's not about winning the argument. It's really about can we talk about this and then, um, you know, get a better understanding about what's right, what's wrong. So uh, without further ado, caller, uh, thanks so much for calling us back. What is your name, please? How can we help you? Yeah, good morning, Jacobus. This is Mary D. Bernardis. I'm a registered dietitian, been in the field for 42 years, and I run the Fragile X Resource in Montana. Thanks, Mary. Uh, Corey and Kaylee, have you ever heard of Fragile X Syndrome before? Um, I have not. Can you tell me about it? Okay, Fragile X Syndrome is the leading genetic cause of mental impairment in the world, including autism. And it's severely underdiagnosed in the United States because we don't do newborn screening for Fragile X in the United States. Uh -huh. But they do it in other countries, and their rates are much higher than ours. Uh -huh. And we trace it back to my, my oldest daughter, who's in Special Olympics. She, she has Fragile X Syndrome, the full mutation. I'm a pre-mutation carrier. The pre-mutation can go on for hundreds of years in the family, and then it can mutate to the full mutation if you understand genetics. Mm -hmm. And, uh, by the way, Fragile X is carried by one out of every 260 women and one out of 800 men. Yeah. And uh, 
It can uh, cause learning problems, autism, severe anxiety, and some seizures in boys, attention deficit disorder, and hyperactivity. It now affects uh, about 1 in 4,000 boys and 1 in 6,000 girls. And like I said, the rate is much higher. And ironically, Shoulder uh, Hospital can do the screening for can do the test for fragile X syndrome because they isolated the gene in 1991. Mary, I have a que- Mary, I have a question for sure, you. Sure. Uh, the fragile eggs, uh, the genetic mutation, is uh, the the topic today is primarily focused on on vaccinations. Do you, so? I know. Is, is your statement that autism is caused more by fragile eggs, not by vaccines, or do you do you try to explain a link between the two now? It can be caused. It it can. It can be attributable to that because Correct. our daughter, Correct. our daughter, got, she got her vaccination, and a month later, she was di- you know she was diagnosed with fragile X. It was right. just a coincidence. Okay, perfect. Because we traced it back to my grandfather. Yes. And the other thing that may be inherited is because um, today's um, uh, wheat products are much higher in gluten than products made years ago. Correct. And they could have a they could have a casein or a gluten sensitivity or celiac disease that can also be contributing to this problem. Absolutely. Yeah, and you bring up a really good point, Mary, that we are just talking about on the break that Corey mentioned, just that the public needs to, this needs to be made very clear that there are so many underlying causes of autism. And like you said, you know, depends on genetics and and that so I think that's a really good really good thing to mention so when you're, when you're at the library you can check out a book that I donated called Fragile X Syndrome they have it on the bookshelf at the Bozeman Public Library if you want to check it out oh right. great okay. thank you and, thank and, you and you can go to and you can go to their website yeah uh, two, two of the websites Amy and I are going to the Fragile X Conference in Ohio next year oh yeah and uh, and the, <clears throat> the website is <clears throat> www.fragilex.org Mm-hmm. And the other, uh, the Fraxa Foundation, it's Mike Trafagli and his wife. They have two children. He's a psychiatrist. And uh, they found out that their son and daughter had fragile X. And uh, their website is Fraxa, F-R-A-X-A dot org. <clears throat> you can also send me a text message to my cell phone at 539-7751. And by the way, how old is Corey? I'm sorry, how old is your son? Uh, oh, oh, uh, I'm sorry. Sullivan. Um, yes, yeah, Sullivan. This is Kaylee. Um, he's our oldest, and he's eight. Okay, and he's the one who has autism? No, he does not have autism. I had mentioned autism because we believe that he would have possibly regressed into that state if we would have continued vaccinating. But he's struggled with SPD, known as sensory processing disorder. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he's doing. I mean, he he's so mild that we've detoxed him, and we're really intentional about diet and several other things as well. That you, he's coped very well and is thriving, and he he's doing exceptionally well considered as far as socially and academically. Okay. How is he with social skills? I'm sorry. With how is he with social skills? He's, you know, and that's a great question in the past, I would say, 
son's kindergarten when he went to preschool. The first year he was in preschool, he went for two years. So for age four and five, he went and he, he really struggled as far as um, being in a classroom with a lot of different noises from other kids and being cooped up, some um, claustrophobia, anxiety. He did okay, but, you know, sitting next to a child that was maybe eating yogurt would really put him in into a... Frenzy? An anx- yeah, into a frenzy. And he has almost, I would say he's 90% better starting in kindergarten. He does, he has a lot of friends. He's, he's doing very well 10 i would say 10 percent of the time socially is when you can say oh you know and it would just be react react you would be able to see it yeah reactionary depending on what's going on mm. so yeah thanks for asking okay and you're welcome to contact me personally and i'll be glad to loan you my book called recognizing celiac disease thank and, you mary uh, and where's the can i get your last name how do you spell your name it's K A Y L I E. Okay. Mick Bride, M as in Mary, C, B as in Boy, R I D E. Okay. And you live in Bozeman? I do. Okay. It was nice to well, talk to you, Mary. And again, um, feel free to contact me, and I'm on Facebook as well. Yes. Glad to be your friend, okay? Fantastic. Thanks so much, Thank Mary. you, Mary. Have a good weekend. Bye bye. Bye Corey. We talked, uh, I, I, there's so much we can talk about here. Uh, these three hours is not enough, but I do want to get in here. You are a registered nurse. Tell me how you got involved in the group Montanans for Vaccine Choice and Montanans for Medical Freedom and how you've been involved with this group, please. Yeah, thank you, Jacobus. Um, well, first I want to say I am very passionate about my nursing role for patient advocacy and um, education and informed consent. So that really drives a lot of um, why I continue to do this. I, I know it's it's kind of, there aren't that many. It's a growing number of healthcare professionals who are starting to really speak out about this. But um, so if you ask any of my friends, when I first got out of school, I was, I was probably hostilely pro-vaccine. And I don't even like those terms anymore. I think you should just be pro-child and pro-parental rights. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, I, I mocked everybody. I remember sitting at a table with a group of people, like just telling them, I, you know, I couldn't believe you were considering not vaccinating your child. Um, but I have a really amazing friend um, who really, she would just talk to me on just a, a real real level and just talk to me about her concerns. Um, but really, I honestly can tell you I did not listen until um, my own daughter was uh, vaccine injured. And I think that is the common ground that a lot of the women and families in our, our organization stand on is we, we want to share this information so parents can make the best decisions because we want them to know that they're very much as a risk of injury and we've lived through it in some way or another. Some of my friends much more severe than me. Yeah. Um, but my, my daughter's injuries happened, um, 
first when she was uh, two days old, we were in the hospital about to go home and I had had a C-section and um, I was so I was bullied into a Tdap vaccine because they want everyone to get the t- every woman to get the Tdap vaccine with every single pregnancy. Um, and I had just had it like two years prior yeah. for work when I was working at the hospital. And I said, no, I don't need it. I'm up to date. It's good. It's supposed to be good for 10 years. I, I don't need it. So Tdap is tetanus toxoid, tetanus toxoid, reduced diphtheria, toxoid, and pertussis, and the vaccine type is diphtheria pertussis tetanus. Yes, so it's the one against um, tetanus diphtheria and what everyone knows as whooping cough. All right. And it's the whooping cough component that they want for every pregnant woman, every family member of the pregnant woman to get before they hold the baby. Okay. Um, so I did get it. I just was like, well, whatever, I'll just get it. Um, they wouldn't really leave me alone. So, um, like 10 to 12 hours after that, we were going home. We're getting ready to go home. I'm nursing my daughter and I'm nursing her. And the nurse comes in and says, oh my God, she's breathing a hundred per, a hundred, uh, per minute and on the beach per minute or so she, her respiratory rate respiratory, um, wow. and so she whisked her away to the NICU and the pediatrician comes in she my daughter's in respiratory and cardiac um, distress she wow. went into a uh, a heart rhythm called SVT um, which can be it can go into a near fatal heart rhythm Mm-hmm. Um, they start running. They don't know what's wrong. They start running IV antibiotics, antivirals. They do every blood draw. They find out that her liver enzymes are elevated, which mm-hmm. indicates she's got some sort of toxins. Which is she's trying to process. Yes. Right. And her mm-hmm. kidney, her kidney levels were elevated as well. Um, so she stayed. At, she actually stayed in the NICU for um, four days until we were able to go home. Until they could ensure that her liver enzymes were tri- trending down. But, um, so I say that because two months later, I got my flu shot for work that year and Mm -hmm. a very similar incident happened. I was breastfeeding still at that time Mm -hmm. and she, um, she got very, very sick, Mm -hmm. very sick just from breastfeeding. And she was very lethargic to the point she couldn't wake up. She slept from two in the afternoon to midnight and she woke up a couple times to feed. She had, um like probably a week and a half of diarrhea. Oh, really awful, awful diarrhea. Yeah. Infant. Yeah. Yeah. It was, she was, we hadn't even gone to her two month, uh, well child visit then. Um, and I had called the pediatrician's office and I said, you know, the only thing that I did was get this flu vaccine. And, um, would that if I'm breastfeeding her, you know, cause you're not even supposed to like drink alcohol or take a Tylenol or anything when you're breastfeeding, cause mm-hmm. it's going to go into your milk. Correct. Um, and I was just told, no, absolutely not. That's just not, not possible yeah. um, for her to be affected by it. And so that was really when my researching journey began. Um, I, the only reason she even got better with her gut issues is I went to your store and got live probiotics for her. Oh, great. Thanks. Um, <laughs> and, um, but so then it really like struck me that I really need to research this. I learned that they have never tested vaccines for pregnancy or breastfeeding mm-hmm. to even know if that statement is true, that it can't be the vaccine that would cause any injury through breastfeeding. Yeah. Um, but to me, if you can't drink alcohol, 
why should you put something in your bloodstream? Oh, that's a great point. Um, so then I also read Dr. Sears' book, um, Dr. Robert Sears, like Kaylee did. Uh, I felt I just didn't want to be toggling on the internet, and I didn't. I wanted a trusted resource, and he researched for 14 years before he put his research into book form, and I felt like it was a very unbiased resource to learn about the disease and the treatments, and as well as ingredients in every vaccine offered in the U.S. and Canada, yeah. um, and how every vaccine is made. And so I, I also decided to continue vaccinating, and mostly because she was also diagnosed with a skull deformity, so she had to have surgery. We were planning her to have surgery at five and a half months. Yeah. So I made an informed decision to get her a DTaP, a Hib, and a pneumococcal vaccine, as those would be the, in my mind, the ones she would maybe be exposed to in the OR and the NICU. And so I did those, but I did them spaced out a month apart because they're all aluminum containing. Oh yeah. And it's yeah. aluminum is a neurotoxin. Absolutely. So uh, it was actually after the Hib when her eczema started really, quite quite moderately. Um, definitely, I wouldn't say severe, like some babies look like they've been burned, um, but definitely moderate eczema, continued gut issues. Um, and then with the surgery, throw in all the antibiotics she's had, yeah. um, from birth and then into the surgery. She just, she had p no weight gain for several months. She was just kind of a sick child in that, in that way mm -hmm. and just ended up further research the, the only way I felt I could really get her better was focusing on her gut and focusing on nutrition. And How old was she now? Um, she's four now. Oh, then? When, when oh, then? This, at that point. She was two at the time? Or she no, was, no, no. This is infancy. This yeah, is... Infancy, um, right. About three, four, four months. Yeah. 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 So she went three months as an infant without gaining weight, which is a problem. And she was nursing really well. Yeah. Um, and when she started solids, she wasn't really taking in any nutrients. Um. Yeah, so we just continued working. We I actually left the pediatrician's office because I wasn't really getting anywhere apart from steroids and nice statin cream. Um, and so I found a naturopath in town who helped her a lot with nutrition and probiotics mm -hmm. and some other supplements. And she gained four pounds in three weeks, and oh, her wow. a lot of her eczema cleared up. Oh, we did wow. some homeopathic treatment as well. Yeah. Um. So. I just never had a piece, though, to go back to vaccinating. It was still an option. It was still on the table with a naturopath, and she would still encourage it. But for me, with my continued research through then, I just thought she was healthier without it. Correct. And she's been healthy ever since. Huh. So, so how many did she end up having? In, in directly, she had, they would say, five. She okay. had DTaP, which is three, and huh. then the Hib which is hemophilus influenza type B and a pneumococcal vaccine. So okay. she only had three and they were spaced out a lot. I actually worry a lot if I would have given her the standard eight to 10 vaccines at her two month visit. I worry a lot yeah. about what might've happened yeah. to her. Now during the uh, vaxxed uh, bus tour, uh, Polly Tommy did a lot of uh, interviews with mm -hmm. people all over the United States and yes. I know even she's over still, here she's still doing that she's still doing that yes. because she wants to hear the stories they're going to put them in movie uh, documentaries and so people can actually speak their voice anyway uh, <laughs> so much for that it's not just facts that we can read about 
what the vexed bus tour is doing is getting people out there just talking about their own story like mm -hmm. you two ladies are doing right here today and uh so i am just uh, wondering you know how many people we're going to find who have this uh, good morning caller i know we're coming close to a break but what's your name how can we help you my name is jillian i just had two questions for corey thanks jillian go ahead hi jillian hi corey so listening to you guys it always feels like it's such a barrage of information to take in so what i would ask is how would you encourage a new mom who's really not at all in the know of vaccines to to start getting their feet wet in the whole process yeah so there are some amazing resources out there um, a really quick uh resource to start with online is the website called learn the risk called learntherisk.org, and there's so much information there. Another, uh, I still recommend Dr. Sears' vaccine book. Um, and and then um, I also recommend uh, Dr. Suzanne Humphrey's book, Dissolving Illusions, because we really have to understand the history of vaccination and disease before we can tr truly continue with just the standard process that we do. These are really great resources and we'll continue to talk more we'll do about i gotta that. go yes We're gonna have a hard sorry break. sorry jillian call us back if you can all right folks stay tuned we're going to be right back we have uh gillian back on the jillian is back on the uh, phone with us and there's two other people are calling in because of the way the system works folks uh if i put all of you on hold everybody can hear each other so uh, I hope you please be patient and be quiet if I put you on hold, when I put you on hold, so that uh, we don't get disturbed on the line. Uh, Jillian, good morning and welcome back. Good morning. Thank you again. My question is, the knee-jerk reaction to the vaccine discussion is normally met with harsh criticism and the false assumption that we are left-wing conspiracy theorists. What is really the heart behind Montenegro's for vaccine choice? I'm sorry, did you say left-wing conspiracy yes. theorists? Yes. I just, I have to um, start with that first. Um, mm -hmm. Not, I don't think that this is a partisan issue at all. We're talking about mm -hmm. human life. Um, mm -hmm. But if you, if we're talking legislatively and you want to know who's behind mandatory vaccinations to take your parental rights away, you have to look at who sponsors the bills. So historically, um, most notably, California's Bill SB 277, which took away all exemption rights in California, um, that was sponsored by a Democrat. Um, he also sponsored um, a, the, the Bill SB 18, which was the, known as the Children's Bill of Rights Bill. Um, that was, yeah, so he's a Democrat, and, and it's just like this. Um, with these kinds of bills. So if you want to know, if you care about this issue, you have to look at who's sponsoring the bills. Yeah, that's good. So point. I guess I just, I just don't want anyone to say that it's left or right, but um, it is, it is the Democrat party that is sponsoring these bills across the nation. All right. Um, I also want to, talking with Kaylee in the break, um, a couple of really other good sources is uh, the National Vaccine Information Center. Um, that Barbara Lowe Fisher puts together. Um, it's nvic.org. 
And she's an amazing warrior in in this movement because she's actually the one who helped establish the vaccine injury compensation program. And I believe without her, that would not even exist. So there would not even be any accountability or compensation if it wasn't for her. Um, and then also, yeah, just liking our Facebook page, Montanans for Vaccine Choice. If you message the page, if you have any questions, we you have a support system in Montana, throughout Montana, not just Bozeman. So, right. Yeah, because I think you bring up such a good point, Jillian, that people are so overwhelmed with all the information. Where do I start? Mm -hmm. And so those sources that Corey said are great. And if, you know, you're pregnant with your third or fourth kid and you're just so overwhelmed with it, Mm -hmm. email us, shoot us a private message and we can help, um, you know, we can help these moms kind of walk through the steps and answer any questions they have. But they need to remember that you cannot ever re- at um, reverse giving a vaccine. You can always give it later. And so we just say, please don't have fear. Don't vaccinate out of fear. That's probably one of the biggest mistakes that you can make. You choose to not vaccinate or vaccinate based yeah. off of being educated. And yeah. so let us help educate you if you don't have time to read these books. Mm and check out these sites. So I love your question. Thank you. Thank you, Jillian. I got to move on. Yeah, go go ahead. What is really the heart behind the Montanans for vaccine choice? The heart and the mission is really parent and family advocacy and parental rights and freedom. We we should not be forced to have any medical procedure for any reason at all. And if you look back on um, Nazi Germany, Bayer, is the one who created the concentration camps. They're the ones who built the concentration camps before Hitler even used them to his advantage. And they were conducting human experiments. And when he decided to put the prisoners in those camps, they they had these prisoners doing human experiments on them against their will. Dr. Josef Mengele. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And so I just really feel like if we start it's a slippery slope and it's not something we need to do to where we force any Mm -hmm. medical procedure on anybody and as a parent i know my children way better than the cdc or heck even even their doctor Mm -hmm. right and no one's going to help me anyway if something happens to them Mm -hmm. thank you jillian good morning caller what is your name how can we help you please you talking to me i'm talking to you jacobus this is pete Pete, awesome so show. nice. Oh, thank you very much. Pete is a great supporter, not just of the show. He is uh, somebody who has a personal experience with his granddaughter with vaccinations. And he has been, uh, you know, on at the front, just uh, sending me information about vaccines and dangers, etc. So Pete, mm. Hi, Pete, Pete is very active. Yes. Pete, are you yeah. part of our group? You should. We would love to have you. No, but I'm going to go down. I will go to your deal here at the library. I don't oh, think it's a big enough venue. Yeah. Yeah. That room isn't very big, even though it's the, the called the big room. But this, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't want to, I could go on for a long time about vaccines, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to point out a couple of things here. And uh, actually the previous caller, which is, or knew when you were talking about the ads or who supports them. But let's start with this. The, the, they, they've, uh, Centered, centered the whole vaccine issue on autism. Mm-hmm. And I brought this up at the vax thing. I was there and sitting right, right in the front. And um, 
there's so many children that suffer from gut problems, yeah. uh, Crohn's and colitis that you don't ever hear of. It's like, and I'm, I'm not the crying autism, believe me, but there are so many other things yes. out there and Very people are so. suffering that we don't hear about because it is autism. We need to spread it out across the whole spectrum. And I know there's a lot of information out there. Believe me, I've been through 99% of it. But as far as the, the, who supports, okay, I'm sitting here, and I've been into this for a long, long time, many years, and I'm watching Fox, okay, and Kimberly Guilfoyle, Megan Kelly, and O'Reilly on one day, the same day, they all said, get your child vaccinated. Yeah. Yes. So I said, what is going on here? So I did a little research, and I come up with gentlemen. James and Lachlan Murdoch, in other words, the sons of Rupert Murdoch, Fox News. So I did a little research on them. They are—they both sit on boards, different boards of multiple pharmaceutical companies. Oh, that's boy. typical. Yeah. So, so there's another thing that that you're you're up against. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know. Yes. And I talked to 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 um. Jacobus here a while back on the, the K1 shot for clotting. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and that blew my mind when I looked into that. And it's they want to give the shot. It has shown that the, the shot can cause infant can- cancer. Yeah, they, They've shown it. Right. The oral does not have that side effect or any of the side effects. Right. They, do they offer the oral. They want to give you the shot. That's right. Yeah. The you shot could- generates more money. Yeah. You can you can opt for the oral, um, or you, and you can even opt out, especially if you plan to breastfeed. If if you know about it, if you know, yeah, about you it, have right. to know about you know, it. That's, yeah. it. It's not like these people are coming around. I'll tell you, I've had some serious arguments with with doctors, and now the practice in this valley that if your child isn't vaccinated, the doctor won't see your child. To me, is immoral and unethical, among other things. That's right. But we very anyway, much I, agree I'll, with I'll you. Be, I'll be at the at your meeting. Thank you. Invite people. Sure. And thanks again for, for doing the show. Thank you so thanks much, for Pete. your support. Okay, bye-bye. Good morning, caller. You're on the air with Corey Mesa and Kaylee McBride. What's your name? My name is Dane. Dane. I want to give you some more information. Yes, please. Um, the Montana Har- Harvest uh, Health Food Store in Billings on 17th and Grand. Yeah, 1710 Grand Avenue, right. And I get a hold of Joe, and there's a gal named Michelle that does live blood testing. Yeah. And all that. Uh-huh. And just, well, Michelle's well, mom died of the flu, flu shot, so mm-hmm. whatever. It goes back then. So. But anyway... They'll support you guys if you want to get a hold of them too. So, all right, Great, thank you. Yeah, I I'm know just that. I'm I'm just a truck driver going through. So, <laughs> oh, thanks for calling. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, well, I really appreciate. It. Yeah, I really like that health food store. That's I lived in Billings for a while, and they're a good team over there. All right. So I'll let you guys go. Just to give you that. So. Well, I really appreciate that. Okay. Thank you much. Bye bye. 
please bring a list of books, resources regarding mm-hmm. vaccines on Monday. Yes, we, we will need do more that. references. That's the uh, that's the text. So yes, we are. We are planning on doing and that. All are, three of us have pow out about this. Yeah. <laughs> we got our books in hand. <laughs> the ones that I uh, the there used to be uh, somebody working at the at the radio station. His name was Dan Jessen. And he introduced me to the work of Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Mm-hmm. And uh, she wrote a book. It's called Saying No to Vaccines. It's a resource guide for all ages. If you go to DR and then Tenpenny, like the number 10, T-A-N and Penny, tenpenny.com, you can go to her website. And Dr. Tenpenny has been a guest on the radio show. Uh, the book actually comes with a DVD in which she is giving some presentations. Of course, they are at this point a little dated. I mean, maybe 10 years old. But she is giving these lectures, and a lot of that is also written in the book. And that is, she has done over 12,000 hours of study on vaccines. Uh, she is very much aware about what's going on, what's up and coming, etc. And uh, that is one book. And an interesting thing in that book that always uh, sticks with me is that it says... If we were to make it mandatory that every child gets a teaspoon of peanut butter, let's say once a week, how many children would we have with anaphylactic shock? Or penicillin. Or penicillin. But if it is just food, we're Mm -hmm. talking about just food. If you would mandate that everybody will have shellfish once a week, Mm -hmm. how many people will have an anaphylactic shock? Somehow... People are able to say in a restaurant, I cannot have bananas or I cannot have dairy or I cannot have gluten or I cannot have peanut butter or I cannot have shellfish. But if you go to a doctor's office and they say, I do not want to be vaccinated, mm-hmm. uh, you are, uh, you're crazy. And so who says that when you take a thousand people or a hundred people and you inject all these people with a needle and inject some fluid in them, whatever, even a saline solution, Mm -hmm. who tells me for sure, 100% for sure, that you will have nobody reacting to it? It's impossible. So, And and that to me was like a a, a strong point where I say, yes, to make it mandatory that you have to be vaccinated is one thing. There has to be a choice, but it has to be an educated choice. Where there is risk, there must be choice yeah. always. And this is True. the only thing that I know of that they are trying to mandate that poses a risk yes. to our health. Yeah. Like Corey mentioned penicillin or you, you know, peanut butter. There's risk in those things Absolutely. for some people. So there has to be a choice. And there is with those things. Yeah. Well, and I'd like to segue too in combination with your comment, Jacobus, as well as the last caller on the vitamin K shot. Um if, you know, we do have this rise and also an epidemic in food allergies in kids, especially peanuts and soy and dairy. And I feel like sometimes the medical community wants to play dumb. But if you look at the patents, the U.S. patents for the vitamin K shot and the vaccines, I will read you um an excerpt from the patent for vitamin K. Yeah. It says, in certain embodiments, other vegetable oils, including but not limited to almond oil, borage oil, black currant seed oil, corn oil, safflower oil, soybean oil, sesame sesame oil, cottonseed oil, peanut oil, olive oil, rapeseed oil, coconut oil, palm oil, and canola. Although rapeseed and canola are the same thing. Um, These are in 
the vitamin K. Like they're in all of them, and at least one of them. Yes, it says. Okay. Uh-huh. So um, we know that soy and peanut oil are some of the cheapest oils to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, and it's in the U.S. patent, and they're putting these refined food oils on the first day of life, mm-hmm. are we setting our children up for these, and in many cases, very deadly allergies? Yes. And is it ironic that? We've had a huge spike in peanut allergy. That's yeah. what, yeah, and, and that's what I mean. Like, right, and the vitamin K is not. Are uh, you I talking mean, about we, vitamin K? What, what shot? Is, the vitamin K is shot. So what's the difference? They give that in the hospital. It's for blood clotting. Yeah, right. Or oh, that's the K one. Mm-hmm, the K one. So you want the blood to clot in that case? Well, I mean, because there's also vitamin K two, and I don't. Uh, that's a whole different story. Um, but I'm just talking about, about the vitamin yeah. K shot that is, that. um, that is given to almost every infant at birth. Wow. And what the caller was talking about was you can opt for the vitamin K drops instead. Or if you're successfully at breastfeeding, the breast milk will establish the vitamin K in the gut of the baby naturally sure. in just a few days. Wow. Which is why I, I feel- didn't even know there was a vitamin K shot. Yes. It's given yeah. rights when they're born, but they will tell you it is just vitamin K. Yeah. Wow. And that is all. All right. It, it gets equated to a vaccine because it has a lot of similar ingredients. It right. has a lot of aluminum in it. It's linked to childhood leukemia. It one of the biggest and most common side effects is jaundice. You know, a lot of a lot of babies. It's very common for them to be jaundice and have issues with their bilirubin. That's so, interesting. So mm-hmm. that is often a reason why people get jaundice. It's interesting Could that be. I thought. Yeah, I thought that. When the blood type of the mother is different than the blood type of the baby, that as the umbilical cord is cut and the baby has to start filtering its own blood through the liver, that it is such a burden on the liver, the child will temporarily be jaundice. Well, if you think about it, they're getting the vitamin K right at birth and either at birth or 12 hours later, they're also getting um, a vaccine for a sexually transmitted disease, hepatitis B. Yeah. Right at birth. Some infants need that, okay? Well, no, if <laughs> if their mothers are if their mothers test positive for hepatitis B, yes, he's yes, trying to create do. a debate, Corey. I know, <laughs> I'm just joking. It's more joking. exciting for the listeners. But I just, <laughs> what else do you got, Jacobus? Bring it on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just they they have to deal with those too right off the bat. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm just kidding. It's I ridiculous know. that I a know. child has sexually transmitted disease. I know. When right. Born. It's very, it's go. very silly. It, is it really silly. is. Yep. But I well, did it. I want to talk about more of the books because of the text that somebody said. Uh, oh, yeah. But we do have a caller on hold. Uh, caller, you're still with me. Are you on the line? What's your name? How can we help you? Uh, it's me, uh, Adam. Hey, Adam. Good morning. Uh, good morning. I have a lot of uh, experience in this. I Early on with my daughter, she received uh, her early doses of whatever they give them these days. Uh, and then I started researching and looking into stuff. And, and actually, my wife's first child received uh, vaccinations and had a uh, stroke oh, and had, oh, a, had, a, had, a, had a seizure. And he never recovered. I mean, he... He's been mm-hmm. in special ed classes since he was going to school. Oh, boy. So, so mm-hmm. I uh, decided not to give my daughter any more of the vaccines other than the one or two doses they got. She got really early on in her life. And I have to go every year because it used to be able to used to be able to have a personal choice about this. Mm-hmm. They've removed that since. 
And now I have to go get a piece of paper from the school every year. I got to go get it to go down to the bank and have it notarized yep. saying that uh, it's for religious reasons. Right. And that's and that's the only way you can get out of it. Uh, right. And so, you know, God told me not to give her any more vaccines. Right. And, uh, <laughs> so there you have it. That's and, right. uh, you know, I mean, the stuff they put in there, I mean, why, why in the world is there mercury in, in, in a vaccine? And they use that to bind the things together. They're like, well, well you can do them separately and blah, blah. Uh, no, I, I it just, I mean, it doesn't take much to find out how scary that stuff is. That's and these people mm-hmm. just give it to them like it's, uh, you know, candy. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. yeah, yeah. That's but totally I have true. to every year. I have to go fill out a form and, and bring it to the school and under perjury and you know uh, criminal uh, you know this that and the other uh, you know five hundred dollar fine or thousand dollar fine. I forget what it is, but you know I could be in trouble. Yeah. Well, um, it, you're definitely right that uh, Montana does not have a philosophical exemption form. Um, I think if you know there's enough people that passionate about it and i believe that there are this is something we need to think about legislatively because there are people who are non-religious and they don't want to vaccinate for non-religious reasons um so that's definitely an issue of discrimination and i know you're concerned about the issue with false swearing but yeah um yeah and right now we're safe but i totally hear you and get what you're saying i mean you're right eventually it doesn't take much you know what the child protect, protective services; those people, their their hair is on fire. They 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 want they look for this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and they'll go after you. And it doesn't take much for them to like take your kid. Yeah. And did you see Adam the um, the mother that is probably going to jail? Um, is probably going to jail for choosing to not vaccinate her son. Cause there's a custody battle between her and her ex husband. No, and that's ha- that's surprised. happening right now. Mm-hmm. And she's primary care. She does not want to vaccinate. And the judge has ordered her to jail um, to some jail time if she does not vaccinate. So that's right along the lines of what you're talking about. You know, and, and on if you read on the box, uh, all these vaccinations, they're not liable for nothing. They, yeah, they have no liability at all. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, dies, too bad. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, thank you, guys. Thank you, Adam. All the best to you. Corey Mazar, Kaylee McBride will return right after these messages. Please stay tuned. We appreciate you tuning in today, and we will be right back. When you look at some of the information out there that uh, in 1963... We had, uh, in 1962, there was a total of uh, five doses given to U.S. children. In 1983, 21 years later, it was uh, 24 doses. And now, and then in 2016, it is 72 doses. So either we are just getting sicker and sicker, that's why we need more vaccines, or... There is another agenda that is going on with this. And when you look at some of the ingredients, and we'll talk about this, but to simply mention them, and we can go in more details, none of these should be injected into your body. It contains aluminum, uh, which is known to cause brain damage at all doses, linked to Alzheimer's, dementia, seizures, autoimmune diseases, SIDS, and cancer. Beta-propiolactone, gentamicin sulfate, 
and polymyxin B. This one, uh, these are antibiotics. They can cause allergic reactions that can range from mild to life-threatening. There is genetically modified yeast, animal, bacterial, and viral DNA in there. There is glutarol, glutarol high, dehyde, dehyde, glutaraldehyde, blah, blah, blah. I thought I wasn't taught to be speaking gibberish. Uh, human and animal cells, we're talking here, this is really interesting, human DNA from aborted babies. Mm-hmm. From aborted babies. Uh, yeah. Also pig blood, horse blood, rabbit brains. No wonder I can jump so high. Maybe that's what happened to me. Dog kidneys, cow hearts, monkey kidneys. I'll throw a few more of the monkey kidneys in there. Why not? There was extra room. So we said, let's fill it up. Chick embryos, calf serum, sheep blood. <laughs> all, the, and more. all the Muslims out there. And, and linked to child, and this all linked to childhood leukemia and diabetes. Um, mercury, thimerosal, one of the most toxic substances known to man. Even if, in a th- even if a thermometer breaks, the building is cleared and hazmat is called. Tiny doses cause damage to the brain, gut, liver, bone marrow, nervous system, and or kidneys. It's also linked to autoimmune disorders and neurological disorders like autism. There, is, uh, there are vaccines that have monosodium glutamate just so that it tastes better in the body. Neomycin sulfate in the antibiotic, which interferes with vitamin B6 absorption. This can lead to epilepsy and brain damage. And phenol, uh, phenoxythanol, used as antifreeze so, <laughs> so that you don't get cold hands and feet. I guess that's why we're worried. Uh, this is known to cause cancer in animals, and it's linked to numerous autoimmune issues and infertility. And there is uh, tributyl phosphate, which is potentially toxic to the kidney and the nervous system. Uh, folks, a simple question. Is this something that you believe is necessary to stay healthy? You feel that any of those ingredients are needed to improve the immune system of the human body? So we can carry this vehicle from birth to death in in good shape. Uh, you know, it's going to get some dings and dents along the way. But why start out with the wrong fuel in the engine? You know, it just doesn't make any sense. In the studio with me, Corey Meza, who is a registered nurse, and Kaylee McBride, who has been a very concerned uh, parent, who has had her own experiences with vaccinating her, child, her uh, older son at a very, obviously, right from birth, and has been struggling with issues at that time, and she has decided at one point to stop that cycle and not vaccinate him anymore in uh, in a conference with her husband, and they said, this is not working. So uh, her son is better right now, and uh, he still has a few things that they sometimes wonder if it is related to the vaccines. And based on the telephone calls we have received this morning, there are quite a few people who already have expressed their concerns just doing these first two hours. Two hours are done, one hour to go, and uh, we don't have enough time. Now, Kate, you want to continue with uh, something you were talking about, a mother, a concerned mother, who is maybe risking going to jail because she has decided she doesn't want to vaccinate her child. That's right. And um, can I just say, I want to say one more really quick point to when you were sharing with the listeners about our total doses being 72. 
side note, very important, is that the, the United States typically gives children three times more vaccines than most other developed countries, Okay, which puts us at a ranking of 34th for overall health. Okay. So... Out of, out of 34 developed countries. Out of 34 developed countries. We, we placed last for the sickest children. For the sickest children. So please hear that. That is the truth. That is a fact. We are the sickest and we have the most vaccines. Uh. So that's just a side note. And then, yes, I just want to mention the lady's name. Yeah, and um, there is a question from somebody on the text line who says, uh, if Kaylee doesn't mention the mom potentially going to jail, uh, what state is it in? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, her, it's in Detroit, Michigan, and her name is Rachel, or Rebecca, Rebecca Bredow, B-R-E-D-O-W. She's a Spell mother. again, Bar- B-A-R, no, B. B-R-E-D-O-W. She, Bredow. Yes, okay. and she is divorced. She's a mother of two. At the beginning of her children, their children's lives, they both agreed to not vaccinate their children. Yeah. Um, the, and if they did, they would delay and space out vaccines for their son. Now they there is a custody battle, and the judge they have gone to court. The judge has the father would like their child vac- their children vaccinated. The mother does not want to vaccinate, and the judge ruled that she will face jail time if she does not go ahead and get these vaccines. Rebecca has stood her ground and she has decided she's going to fight for this, for what she believes in. And yeah. if it's jail time, so be it. So maybe um, we can all write the judge or something and right. in favor of her just parental rights. I, I, and I don't want to say that the father doesn't have parental rights, but he, she has primary custody of right. the child. It's, so he's not fighting for custody of the child. He's only fighting for vaccinations, um, but he's also not the one primarily taking care of the child. Right. And this actually happens every single day, every single day. Court case over vaccines, court rules in favor of the pro-vaccine parent, no matter what. Right. Yep. That's they, right. And, and they, they even take away the choice of which doctor to go to. They set the appointments for them, um, and they set a deadline, and it's just whatever the court says, you just hand it over your child as property of the state. Right. Uh, wow. Which is, isn't that, isn't that just really, to me, it's creeping up on being pretty pure evil that there would, again, like we talked about, where there is risk, there must be choice. And it's, we have to wake up to that and what is going on. And so good for this mother. She wants to be with her son, yep. does not want to go to jail, but I believe she's representing so many mothers and so good for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also just want to just uh, add when you were mentioning mercury, just so we're clear on facts. Um, mercury is not the main adjuvant in vaccines anymore as of a little after 1998. Um, they, they changed it to aluminum, yeah. which is also highly neurotoxic. Aluminum adjuvant, completely different than the aluminum we find in our food. But I do want to add that mercury, which is also known as thimerosal, and that's how it's labeled on the CDC um, ingredient list. It is still in all the multi-dose vials in trace amounts. So uh, the multi-dose vaccines available are most of the flu vaccines 
and most uh, meningococcal vaccines. So if you get, if you want a flu vaccine, maybe make sure that it's not from a multi-dose vial. Maybe make sure that it's from a single-dose vial and whatever preservative-free means to the manufacturer. Uh, but if you get a multi-dose vaccine, you're going to get at least 600 micrograms per liter of thimerosal. Now, a few years ago, they were pushing, like they just did on the news, they said <laughs> flu season is upon us, so yes. get, your, get your vaccine. Uh, a few years ago, they were pushing it so hard because of the swine flu and whatever was going on, the avian bird flu, and they were just running out of vaccines. And so they started importing vaccines from a uh, company in Great Britain. And so they said, just ship whatever you got and we'll pay for it. So that was another thing that when we talked earlier about can pharmaceutical companies be sued for if there is a side effect. Here you have something that the government says, send us what you have. And even if we don't need them, we'll pay for them. And it is just unbelievable. Just say, well, send me 10,000. We'll probably go to 10,000. These people could send them 200,000 vaccines, maybe a couple million, and we're paying for them if we use them or not. Now, yeah, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to comment on the CDC itself. They, they are the ones responsible for the quote-unquote safety testing. Yeah. However, they've never tested the entire infant recommended schedule ever in, in full. Mm -hmm. to make sure that the entire schedule in full for synergistic effects is safe. It's never been tested. Correct. Um, they, they own 50 vaccine patents, and they make upwards to $4.6 billion a year on vaccine sales alone just for the CDC. Wow. So we'd, that's a huge conflict of interest. Uh, right. There's no... There's no um, so Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is really in this fight to try to get independent safety mm -hmm. testing away, like just pull that responsibility away from that agency because they are making money off of what they recommend and would really like to mandate for the general public. And that's not ethical at all. That's no. right. Yeah, to simplify what Corey's saying, just think of it as they are promoting their product and they are testing the safety of their product and telling us. And just telling the FDA it's safe. Which is, yep, just like a car company, you know, if Chevy were to say our trucks are the safest, we tested them. That doesn't happen. And then right. that something doesn't happens happen and those, you can't sue Chevy. Yeah, and something happens, you yes. can't sue Chevy. But no, yes. that's not really how it works. Uh, those, that's a huge conflict, blatant conflict of interest. Mm. We have a call on hold who would like to talk, uh, but we also have a... In, in text message, uh, it says the answer most pro-vaccine people, pro people give is that most of the diseases that we have vaccinations against have been eradicated. Mm -hmm. If we were to stop vaccination, vaccinating, there would be a catastrophe. If it wasn't for those vaccines, we would not have such a healthy state. Is that true? Mm. I'm yeah. going to let Kaylee talk about polio in this instance, because I think it's a good opportunity to do that. I'm going to let her prepare, and I'm just going to also say <laughs> that um, if you look at disease outbreaks... Kaylee, most Kaylee's doing some stretches. <laughs> <laughs> She's getting ready for the answer. Breathe in, breathe out, the polio here it comes. Is so, yeah. is, what about smallpox? What about polio? Yeah. Um, just in Washington, when there was that uh, mumps outbreak, Correct. 
the yeah. majority of those children were vaccinated. Mm-hmm. The Disneyland outbreak of measles, like 90% of those children were vaccinated. The majority of the measles outbreaks in Minnesota are vaccinated, minus the Somali community, right. which nobody, Dalvig Tree mentioned this, nobody asked, why did the Somali community stop vaccinating for measles? Well, when they came over here as refugees, their children all of a sudden got what they decided to call the white man syndrome, oh. which they never had in Somalia. They didn't even have a word for autism right. in Somalia. And they said, no, we're not doing this. So they would rather have measles than lifelong disability. Mm. And uh, nobody asked those questions. Why did they stop? So high vaccinated rates don't always mean no outbreaks. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Are you done we, stretching? We also, yeah. we also know. I'm about done. Kara <laughs> Komini of Health, Home, and Happiness, a local blog, her children were exposed to whooping cough. They're unvaccinated. They were exposed for several days and never got any symptoms of Correct. whooping cough. And, and they happens. are unvaccinated. A, I'm right. glad you bring it up. But yes. that is a story that's coming a story that other people can say the same thing. Yes. Non-vaccinated children, healthy, healthy as a rock. Super health. Yeah. Super health. Yeah. So Kaylee, please answer that, that <laughs> question just in regards to the polio because it's so, yeah. um, you know, in, in those days they did not have the internet like we do now. We have the information at our fingertips and they were right. really subject to propaganda right. during that time. Yeah, and I want to mention another example. Corey was saying when there's outbreaks, typically 90 plus percent of, the children are vaccinated or adults. Another one that happened, I believe, last year was a mumps outbreak yeah. at a call a university oh, in yeah. Arizona, and yeah. they there were no religious exemptions on the table. Oh, 100% of the students that contracted mumps were vaccinated. So, wow. and the reason we mention this to the person who text messaged us is it's just a really good place to start that. And this is something that you're right. I mean, pro-vaxxers say this and they're saying it under assumption and not, it is not a statement that can be um, founded on the history um, of diseases, Mm -hmm. statistically. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. is fact. And so that is something that is thrown around that unfortunately is just, to put it bluntly, it is just not the truth. For example, um, measles, the measles vaccine was introduced in 1963 and death by measles rapidly, it was actually pretty much eradicated, if not 100% eradicated the death by disease. The disease itself was, I want to say, close to 95% possibly eradicated. It was... Before the vaccine, the death rate right. was one in 500,000 people right. who got measles. Right. I, I Not got, of the whole. I got measles what? in yeah. 1963. Right. So it was like so, a child rite of passage, like chickenpox was yeah, for my ex- generation. Exactly. Right. It was a rite of passage. Right. That's Once, right. Yes. And so for this, um, this person who, um, if you really are seeking wondering about this, please message our page and we're happy to get you the official graphs. Um, that's government that, database. That page for, is Montana's for Vaccine Choice yes. on Facebook. On Facebook, and you or you can find myself, Kaylee McBride or Corey Meza, and you can message us, and we are happy to provide you with 
to lead you in the direction of being able to actually look at these stats yourself. They are available to public. This is not coming from a random blog on the internet where somebody's writing this. This is a doctor, a kidney specialist, who she's the one who really put Dr. Suzanne Humphreys, put the information out there, but she got it yeah. from um, the, the legal sources. Mm -hmm. And so this is, you need to learn um, when the vaccines were introduced and when vax or, and when the diseases Disease were eradicated and compare, you need to compare that. You cannot assume yeah. that, you know, and so polio. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so polio, Corey mentioned polio and polio is one of the biggest, I'd say the most common thing that most of us hear. I don't know if you guys would say that, but even in, I was in Jacobus's store a few days ago and there was a gentleman there, one of Jacobus's good friends, and he brought that up very, he sounded very open oh, yeah. and his first response was, what about polio? Mm -hmm. I think that was something that he said. And so I brought up a few different things, but um, the polio vaccine was introduced in 1955. And, well, I guess I should first say the polio was most prevalent in the 19... Late 40s, early 50s, mm -hmm. I would say. Okay, that's what mm -hmm. I was going to say. Yeah, because I have a friend who had polio, and he is oh. about, uh, he's probably born in the mid-50s. Mm -hmm. Okay, sure. So, um, and we all kind of remember, we remember Franklin Roosevelt um, had... Story. Yeah, mm -hmm. has a story mm -hmm. about this. But um, these, most of these polio cases were, in fact, not polio. They were labeled as polio, but they actually had DDT poisoning, DDT, and they were spraying, um, it's a pesticide, and this, and DDT causes paralysis. And so this was in the 40s and 50s, this was happening. Um, and let's see what else here. Um, another, so when, when the vaccine yeah. was introduced, mm -hmm. it was really, uh, we, it seemed like the, also with the polio, it was already declining. It was already on the way out. It seemed right. like uh, not everybody, and, and maybe part of that had to do with the, uh, with the DDT uh, being exposed for what it was and probably coming out with new uh, new ways to spray and uh, the fields, right? That's right, well, yeah. Well, they kind of ended up in this vicious cycle with it because they thought, well, we're getting the polio from mosquitoes and other pests, so we need the DDT to control that. And so they started trying to protect against polio by using DDT, but the toxicity levels of DDT mimic and even exacerbate the right. symptoms of polio. Right. And here's, here's an excerpt from Dr. Humphrey's book, Dissolving Illusions, off of what Corey just said. Actually, economically, the disease was not very important. Secondly, not many cases were seen in this country. There weren't too many people paralyzed from polio in any one neighborhood. So it never made much of an impact. Um, and I'm going to mention that in when we come back we'll after do, the break. We got to okay. run. Okay. All right. Corey Mesa, Kaylee McBride talking about Montana's for vaccine choice. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. So this is a very, very controversial um, uh, topic. And there are some ramifications with children with vaccines. And, you know, the thing is, it comes out sideways. It never uh, comes out just straight away. But 
there are people that talk about uh, autism. So they say, well, my child doesn't have autism, so vaccines are safe. No, some some people get uh, gastrointestinal problems or they get skin rashes or they go blind or they die. You know, if that happens, that's no good. So when you are discussing the side effects of vaccination, it's not just about autism. When you put a toxin in the body, it's the same when you eat something consistently that may not upset your stomach right away, but causes you to be fatigued and you start having headaches and you uh, start having cramping in your legs. We, we can sometimes trace that back to something you're eating or that you're allergic to. And so when you're talking about vaccines and you expect that everybody will be safe, uh, the, the fact is that is a lie. And there, are, there is plenty of research information out there these days. The fact that uh, there are still plenty of people who say there is absolutely no danger to vaccines. Uh, sadly enough, specifically, uh, several people in the medical community who will simply say they are safe. The facts are that when you are having issues, health issues, and you have been vaccinated, there are now more and more studies coming out that there are links. And one of them is indeed autoimmunity. And we see how many people have autoimmune Hashimoto's these days, uh, people with, uh, with vitiligo and Sjogren's syndrome. There are about 100 different autoimmune diseases. And there is a possibility that even though they're not autism, but that they are affecting people's daily life in their comfort, in the quality of life, and in their really their overall health and well-being. And so it's uh, really an absolute pleasure to have uh, Corey and Kaylee with me. We have uh, quite a bit we want to talk about, but we have a caller on hold who was waiting all of last half hour, never got on board, and here he is. Go ahead, caller. What's your name? Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. You betcha. What's your name? All right, I'm calling today. Yeah, this is Luke calling out in Park County. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate it. I'm calling today. Uh, one of my primary concerns with this issue is what I'm seeing is the willingness of people in our own community to uh, basically harass and bully over this issue online. And I'm seeing this right here in Gallatin and Park County. And I'm even seeing medical professionals, doctors and nurses kind of joining in in this, uh, you know, what really is a personal issue between you, your family and your healthcare provider. So um, the things I noticed and it kind of made me think differently about this issue is one of these people past week who was online screaming, uh, you know, vax your effing kids and kind of being pretty rude towards just people who are trying to share information on the topic. Yeah. I noticed that, you know, she herself was rather and uh, had kids who looked like they were also not necessarily the most healthy kids possibly eating McDonald's. And I was just thinking, you know, obesity is a massive healthcare issue yet. No one's online harassing people, saying, you know, we're going to force pills on you because, you know, this is a, a health crisis that you're doing to yourself. Um, people are free to eat themselves as large as they want to get, mm-hmm. get type 2 diabetes, and, uh, you know, there's no harassment over that. So, yeah. no. It's a really good point. Very it's good very point concerning too. to see people, people harassing people online over what is really a personal choice. It's legal in the state of Montana to decline vaccination, and it really is between families and their healthcare professionals. I'll just pop off and listen to what you guys have to say. Thank well, you. Well, a great call, Luke. Great. Thank, Thank you, you very Luke. much. All right. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I love that Luke brought that up because it's something we haven't really talked about, that it is, it's a privacy is really sacred. And as Luke mentioned, it's not really considered in this issue. And it's true. true. It's we don't owe it to anyone to give our reasoning. Well, um, the, the hypocrisy is real. Right. Vaccinate yep. your children for the sake of my children, but you vaccinated your children. So why are, are you, you not? Yeah, you're putting your faith in that vaccine. Why are you worried? And I get that there are like children under one and the elderly are more vulnerable. But I really think on Luke's point, we really need to be focusing on health as a whole. That right. same person. Yeah, maybe you are feeding your kid McDonald's and that food could sit out for 10 years and it's not going to decompose what's it doing to your gut it's fermenting yes. in there creating a lot right. of problems yeah that's right um, among other things and nobody is telling you you can't feed your kid mcdonald's although right. I, I wish that they would right but um yeah the, the hypocrisy is crazy right and you know when the pro-vaxxers are worried about um the children without vaccines you know really it's it should be vice versa i I get fear for my children when they go to the go to school at the beginning of the year because sure. it's high vaccination time. Oh yeah. And vaccines shed. And so if if there's someone who's going through chemotherapy or an elderly person or a child with autoimmune um disorders um they need to be worried about recently vaccinated children. Yeah. Not and a healthy unvaccinated child. That's right. So, but I wanted to really quick just wrap up the polio thing, and yeah, I wanted thanks. to mention a couple things. Um, as for those who didn't hear the caller, rather per, she she or he text messaged us saying, "What if we all, all right. if yeah. we all stop vaccinating, we will see an outbreak of these diseases. There will be there will be a big disease epidemic." And so I started talking about polio as an example because that's one of the most common arguments is the disease of polio and so we were discussing polio and how back in the 50s 30s and 40s 50s that there was a lot of ddt poisoning and they used polio as kind of a cover-up so i also want to say an example of an outbreak would be in 1980 to 1999, there was a polio outbreak in the United States. And by the way, this comes directly from the CDC website. And so there's my source, the source that everyone trusts. This is where it came from. 162 polio cases in the United States and 154 of the 162 came directly from the vaccine itself. Now... 150, how many? 154. 150. So there were 162 cases. 154 of them came um, directly from the polio vaccine. But that is not mentioned, you know, on the news. It'll say, polio outbreak, please get your polio shot. They do not tell us that it came from the vaccine itself. They do that with measles, too. They do that with measles, too. So, you guys, this is... This is the truth. Yeah. It The outbreaks happen typically from the vaccines. Again, straight from the CDC. Um, here's the other thing that 
you know, just for fun every once in a while, Corey and I will go on the CDC website because we want to see the information that other people are reading. So let me just tell you what it says on the CDC website about the polio vaccine. It was introduced in 1955. Okay, most people infected with the polio virus have no symptoms. Yeah. Less than 1% um, show symptoms. Those symptoms are typically like a common cold. Therefore, most people don't even know that they have polio. Mm -hmm. Less than the 1% that show cold-like symptoms develop paralysis and sometimes death. This is directly from the CDC website. This is not made up. This isn't coming from out of the clear blue sky because we're against the polio vaccine. This is the fact. Most being 95% of the population will be exposed to polio and not show symptoms. Right. And so a lot of us possibly had polio. So on the basis of um, what that text message said to us, we don't need to worry about a polio outbreak epidemic. We're getting, we're getting polio, and um, a lot of us are that don't even know it. And if we did have a polio epidemic, we're likely not even going to know that it's happening and if it does, we don't need to fear paralysis and death. Straight mm. from the CDC website. Wow. And that's important. Please hear that. Wow, that's pretty yeah. bad. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. I just want to let you know, of course, that we're not talking about uh, the Polka vaccine. We're talking about the polio vaccine. You cannot be vaccinated against the Polka. If you like Polka, you can do that anytime you want. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Good. That's right. All right. Cheers. Uh, just a small change in letters. So, right. um, okie dokie. Kaylee and Corey, let's talk a little bit about what people can expect to see on Monday. What um, is uh, what is uh, part one about? Yeah. Monday, the lecture at the Bozeman Library at 6.30, October 2nd. Let's talk about part one. Yeah. So part one is going to do a thorough review of the, hist- the full history of vaccines and how the concept came about. It's going to focus on smallpox. Um, Are vaccines effective? And also, what about polio? Mm -hmm. Um, We talked a little bit about these things. So, yeah, you're just going to learn a lot. I don't want to talk too much because I want people to come. Mm -hmm. Well, sure, but I mean, they're talking (laughs) about an hour and a half. So, I I think it is interesting if I... If I go to a movie, I sometimes watch mm-hmm. the preview because I want to get a feel right. for it. Yeah. So it is okay right. to talk a little bit about it, you know. Yeah. And obviously, there are some things that we already discussed today. But just uh, if you want to run, let's let's go through number two, three through seven. Give people an idea what we, what we where we're going to go with uh, the series, so that people yeah. understand how how broad this yeah. whole series is, and that it is really uh, important that people will show up and get involved in the discussion. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Everyone's going to get a lot of your questions answered. For those who saw Vaxxed, you know, you walk out of Vaxxed and you say, oh, great, now what? Yes. You know, where do I start now what? Yes. (laughs) Now where? This is where. And you will get so many questions answered. You hear from Dr. Tony Bark, who she is incredible. Board She's, certified pediatrician. Yes, and she is so well-spoken, and she gets straight to the point. You guys, this is invaluable information, and so, yes, you will get all these questions you have running through your mind. You'll get answered. And right. since polio, we already talked about it, and that's 
number two that Jacobus is referring to. Yep. I forgot to say one thing. Um, before the first polio vaccine was introduced, polio had already declined by 47%. That's just another fact mm-hmm. that I, for, I forgot to mention. So, All right. And I think Corey's going to talk a little bit about. Yeah, so one is uh, history of vaccines, smallpox, oh. vaccine safety, and the CD schedule. In episode number two, which we actually already have episode two scheduled with the library for no- oh. November 7th. Thank you. So if you guys would like to come back after episode one, you'll learn about what's in a vaccine. Um, oh, I'm sorry. So epi- episode one is the history of vaccines, smallpox, vaccine safety, and the current CDC schedule. Yeah. Episode two is what's in a vaccine, are vaccines effective, and what about polio? Three, we'll go in-depth with MMR and DTaP and vaccinating for the greater good, which is a huge question that everybody has. Four is examining influenza. So the, the, uh, so the MMR, mumps, measles, rubella, yes. and the DTaP vaccines. And the DTaP was, again, diphtheria. Diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis. Okay, mm-hmm. and pertussis, okay. All right, and the, the the vaccinating for the greater good, is that uh, similar to the herd yes. immunity? Uh-huh. Yes, it's going H-E-R-D. to talk about the whole theory of herd immunity, okay. and the right. yeah, just just so everyone knows, herd immunity is a myth. It is only true in the case of natural and lifelong immunity. It is not in the case of vaccines because. They don't, they don't last for a lifetime. You have to go for boosters your whole life. 86 or 80% of the adult population are not up to date on these 73 vaccines that they right. need. Right. So when people talk about herd immunity and children and my child and your child, well, there's no coverage even. But don't worry. It's yeah. coming through legislation through Healthy People 2020 where they're going to not only force your child to be vaccinated, they're going to force you to, as an adult to be fully vaccinated. So you got to go stand in line for your 73 vaccines if you want to get a paycheck and put food on your table. Um, that yeah. is, that's or pump gas. Yes. Or pump yes. gas, get on an airplane, yeah. purchase Travel. something, everything. Cross borders. Yeah, Corey yeah. and I typically, when someone will say, what about herd immunity? We say, oh, so you, you obviously keep up on your boosters because you know they only last... I mean, like, maybe five to 10 years. Yeah. I think MMR has a 20-year immunity. So that means everybody like 40 to 50 years are not are not immune. They're actually most vulnerable to right. measles. Well, I was going to say, because you talk about the last only 20 years or 10 years, mm-hmm. but in a way you're saying you will be immune for that disease, and that's not proven. Yeah, only but, if you get measles text, naturally does that give you lifelong immunity. That's what the text wants you to believe, yeah. that right. you will be protected from these diseases, right? I really quickly, because I don't know when this would fall in, but I forgot we were going to mention this. Um, We haven't talked about whooping cough yet. I don't even know if we will, but this week, the University of Boston um, published an article about a study they did, and this is more than likely going to disappear offline, but... um, Listen to this. The startling global resurgence of pertussis or whooping cough in recent years can largely be attributed to the immunological failures of the vaccine. The failures of the vaccine. And that just came out, which means that all these whooping cough cases, outbreaks, 
they found are coming from the vaccines. Well, and it's been proven in uh, rhesus monkeys in testing yes. that even when they're vaccinated, they'll they'll get they'll give them the the vaccine with the pertussis and they'll start growing pertussis spores in their throat, meaning that they may be asymptomatic from whooping cough, but right. they're carriers and they're spreading. Uh-huh. So um, if you get it and you go see, if you get the vaccine and you go see a new baby, you actually have the per- potential to spread, spread it. spores to the baby, which is completely contrary to what your doctor will tell you. Wow. Uh, and mostly they just refuse to accept the truth of that mm. study mm. and and what it showed. Yeah. But now they're, they're really starting to admit that this vaccine is not working and it may actually not yeah. be safe and they oh, find boy. this they find this out often about things but we rarely hear about it no. which is why when the university of boston publishes this this is gold may disappear but and i should mention our three-year-old's um little girl rosalie she contracted whooping cough and she is not vaccinated against it but now she is um has natural immunity for life huh. and you know such a strong immune system she's maybe had two colds her whole life and she fought it like a champ and i say that to everyone to know that whooping cough yes can be serious in infants and it is it's not something to fear um she the the immune system has the power to overcome it and you Correct. can we used homeopathy homeopathy it's, you can use uh, potassium uh vitamin c homeopathic vitamin c of course right yes. and yeah. vitamin c is a you know whooping cough is vitamin C deficiency, correct? Well, well no, it's caused, by, it's caused by a bacteria, but right. um, there, Dr. Suzanne Humphreys does a whole vitamin C right. protocol okay. for whooping cough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to, before, if we take a, another caller real quick, the we don't have a lot of time, but the issue that we face right now is a worldview. It's not so much the science isn't there. It's a completely, it's just a worldview, in okay. my opinion. Mm-hmm. The there are real concerns with the anecdotal data you get from all of these parents, thousands of parents. Polly Tommy has probably five, 7,000 testimonies that she's taken from parents of kids who have um, died of quote-unquote SIDS or ha- um, has severe asthma, food allergies, autism, c- epilepsy, and seizures. I mean, it, it, it goes... The list goes on. Yes, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. except for the unvaccinated that she yeah. interviews. Yes, but I was reading in a quote from Dr. Suzanne Humphrey's book from a quote from 1876, and I have to believe that they've been working this hard to get everybody to believe this, but this is what it says. For parents who are not listened to, this is, this is why. Try revaccination. It never will hurt you. For revaccination has this one great virtue. Should it injure or kill you whenever you receive it, we all stand prepared to refuse to believe it. And that was from a writing called The Doctors, written in 1876. But when a parent has a real concern, I've met several parents who within hours or days after their child has a vaccine, their child has a real health issue, and they do not get any help. One, one got turned away from the ER multiple times with her child, and they, she had a super high fever of over 104, and they told her, just give her more Motrin, she's fine. Wow. Finally, a doctor listened to her and helped her get her daughter better but her pediatrician turned her away and told her she was basically nuts for thinking that the vaccine would have caused it it's so sad it's really uneducation the more information we have i don't think that these kind of quotes would be made to parents i think there would be more respect 
for parental choice. And um, I hope that with your work that you're doing, we uh, will start finally really helping people who are worried about their choice. Cola, are you still with us? Good morning to you. You're on the air with uh, Corey and Kaylee. What's your name? How can we help you, please? Well, it's Shane Montel, and Jacobus, and as always, or as seldom when I do call into your show, my compliments to you, sir. The Thank job you, is done excellent, and it's one of the best talk shows in North America because oh. of the information oh. that you share so well with everyone weekly. Thank How you, How you do it <laughs> must take a lot of reading. I know because yeah. I do my research. You do. So I just wanted to make an observation. I'm 62, and uh, I remember getting my first... Um, you know, inoculations as a child back between 1960 and 63. But one thing I think it's important about the conversation you have today, because I'm fully in support um, these types of uh, uh, benefits medically, and that is unexpected consequences like shingles yes. for old people. Yes. And you look at what the unintended consequences are, um, you, you have to determine what's the greater good. So there you go, gal. Right. Thank you very much, Jacobus. Thank you, Shane. Thanks for participating in my show. I know you're going to be on in an hour from now. <laughs> that is, he's going to be on Tom's show. But uh, that's uh, that's a great point. Yeah, and well, sure all the kids are vaccinated yeah. by chickenpox. So naturally, right. we're not getting our natural boosters by taking care of children with chickenpox. And chicken then pox. we have shingles when we get older. Right. But don't worry, there's a vaccine for that. <laughs> Thank you both for being here. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. We'll have to do this again because we didn't even get halfway through the event. We did not get to the current issues, but we will talk about the issues at the event if you can come. We have local Montana issues. All right. We'll discuss it. Folks, we'll be back next week, Saturday, 8 to 11. Gesundheit with Jacobus. See you then. Gesundheit with Jacobus. Every Saturday morning.